Welcome back to CFO Weekly, where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results with your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Karen Bolikbowski is the EVP and Chief Financial Officer of Exactech, a mid-market medical device and technology company. Prior to Exactech, Karem worked for TPG Capital as Operations Director, where he provided interim executive leadership and operational support to the management teams and board of directors of TPG portfolio companies. Responsibilities include acting as the interim CFO or COO, working closely with senior executives to build and execute multi-year value creation strategy, driving carve-outs, restructuring, due diligence and turnaround initiatives, capital slash resource allocation, developing finance organizations slash processes, and coaching CFOs on improving organizational and financial discipline. Karem joined TPG from GE Energy, where he was the CFO of the $2 billion gas engines business based out of Munich, Germany. Karem spent 13 years with General Electric, where he held a diverse set of finance and risk management roles across industrial and financial services businesses, such as the CFO of GE Energy Engineering Division and Enterprise Risk Management Leader of GE Capital. Karem is a graduate of GE's financial management program and the corporate audit staff. He received his MBA from the University of North Carolina and bachelor's degree from the College of Charleston in international business. He serves as a reserve officer in the South Carolina Army Guard as part of a search and rescue unit and a member of the advisory board for the College of Charleston Finance Department. Karem, thank you so much for joining me today. Hello, Megan. Good to, good to be here. Yeah, you know, I've been looking forward to having you on the show for a while now, and I'm really excited about our discussion this morning, which is focused on the unique challenges of being a CFO for a PE-backed portfolio company and some of the keys to success you've learned throughout your journey. So let's start with a little bit about you. First, tell me about your career progression. How did you get to where you are today? And are there any particular stories or career moves that stand out in your mind as turning points in your career? That's good. So I really started my career at GE as a finance intern, which led me into various leadership uh, development programs. You know, GE has always been one of those corporations that has been the training ground for a lot of our future leaders. And their financial management program was, I believe, going back to early 1900s has been the premier program for finance leaders. I have had the opportunity, uh, privilege, and pain of, you know, relocating to a different GE business, taking different jobs, six months for a little over two years. And upon completing that program successfully, they uh, asked us to go on to corporate audit staff, which is sort of the continued leadership development program for GE leaders where you actually audit uh, and be part of many different uh, transactions and, and tasks around the world within many, many GE businesses. When I was there, obviously GE was much larger with their financial services arm, which was a global bank, one of the top 10 global banks at the time. Their aircraft engines or energy businesses, plastics businesses, as well as other lightning and consumer goods. So 
it was such a diverse place to learn so many different uh, types of businesses, have an opportunity to uh, travel around the world and take part in, in many different projects ranging from typical audits to M&A, integrations, dispositions, investigations. So there are not that many places in the world like, like GE used to be that could give you that kind of a diverse opportunity. And that's, that's what GE used to be really good for. And once you successfully complete those programs, you were uh, placed in executive level roles, uh, even in your 20s. So I went through those programs, took me about seven years. And then as a, as a result of it, I became the first uh, enterprise management leader of capital, just coming out of the financial crisis. And then I have had two division CFO roles within GE, one, both of them are in the energy businesses and last one being the uh, gas engines. That sort of uh, 13, 14 years was my GE career. And, and up after that, I made um, a leap into a private equity side uh, with TPG Capital, where they were trying to build their operational teams focused on finance and FP&A. As you can imagine, a lot of the companies, PE firms invest in, don't have the same infrastructure, the processes, the systems, and cadence GE has. And, and you know, GE used to be known for their discipline, for setting targets, beating, meeting and beating their targets, always meeting expectations. So those kind of those kind of cadences and, and discipline creates a lot of value within the PE world. So TPG was looking for talent with that kind of background. And um, I joined them about uh, almost six years ago, which again, gave me a lot of uh, different diverse experiences. Uh, you know, we can talk about this a little bit more, but when you leave a very well established company like GE, you just, you, 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 you something when you're there, you take it for granted, but when you leave it and go to some of these mid-sized companies with none of the talent or none of the systems, none of the processes, not even a treasury department, right? You, you have to build all that uh, from ground up. And that's what I learned at, at TPG Portfolio Companies, which led me to my current role to become a standalone company CFO at a medical devices company. Well, it sounds like you've had some really amazing experiences throughout your career. So as a portfolio company CFO, what do you think makes this an attractive opportunity for some people or having had that experience? And, and what did you enjoy about it? You know, I, I actually really enjoyed um, being a standalone company CFO where I have uh, ownership and, and responsibility and accountability for everything wing to wing that is within the finance function. You know, when you're a GE, when, even when you're a division CFO, there are a lot of things that are done for you, be it treasury operations, taxes, accounting, what have you. And I wanted to really be fully responsible for uh, the entire finance function. On top of it, when you are as part of a large company as GE, it's difficult to see all the difference you are making. There are a lot of layers, large companies, large businesses. It's difficult to move the needle. Uh, it takes a long time to make decisions. You have to go through the corporate and, and various, uh, various structures. So when you are in a mid-sized company that is backed by a PE firm, you can make a lot of decisions. 
you see the impact of those decisions pretty quickly and you learn from them. Obviously, that also uh, opens up the door for potential mistakes, but I, I enjoy that high pressure environment. I think it led me to make good decisions and, and learn from my decisions and, and lead companies. So that's really, that's what, what I liked about the PE-backed firms. Additional PE-backed firms are very much performance and value creation driven. So all the decisions taken, there was no, there, there was no confusion about what was important, right? We wanted to grow the business. We wanted to grow our margins and we all made decisions that that sport those uh, sport those targets. When you're as large of a company or or, or, a, or a public company, I think you get a lot a lot of different conflicting priorities, and that sometimes uh, makes it a difficult environment for for leaders and, and managers uh, like myself. So I like the clarity of the direction within a PE uh, environment. So I imagine a CFO for a portfolio company has to be both a proactive and passionate advocate for the business. So let's talk about the leadership skills that a CFO has to possess to be successful in this type of an environment. Sure. It is very difficult. I'll be the first one to admit, especially when I when I spent the past uh, six years really hiring and firing CFOs. And now I am in their shoes. I, I understand and I know what the, what the expectations are like and what kind of pressure that really uh, generates. The CFO role is sort of a shock observer among everybody. You know, you are between the employees, the management team, board of directors, uh, PE sponsors, and external stakeholders such as banks and rating agencies and they all look to you to make the right decisions. You are expected to deliver results. You are expected to be the performance, uh, lead the performance operation. You're supposed to and expected to protect and develop your teams, your business, and speak up when it's time to speak up and defend them against the, uh, the board or, or the sponsors. But in the meantime, hold them accountable for delivering. I think for people like myself who who has you know experienced change throughout his entire career i i get to deal with it manage it a lot better than most others so i feel somewhat fortunate about that um obviously it didn't come free it came from many years of uh blood tears and and sweat but my job is also to ensure i can develop and coach the next generation so they can be they can be functioning at a high level in, in that kind of an environment. So it's, a, it's always, always a moving balance. As long as we know the expectations, we know the targets, and we are constantly communicating and guiding the teams towards it, it works out. But if the CFO is not into the details, if the CFO is not seen around the corners, or not a couple of steps ahead of the PE sponsor or the board, then I think that's when you get into trouble. And that's what I try to not do. So you might have just touched on this or even answered it, but as a conduit between the management of a company and the private equity firm sponsor, the role of a portfolio company CFO must be a constant balancing act. So how do you handle wearing these two hats and what skills do you work on to be successful? 
I think it's always a constant prioritization act every day, every week. I question what I'm working on. It's sort of also the setting up the chess table every week, if you will. And once you know what the chess table looks like and once you know your moves, then you can uh, guide your teams accordingly. You can prepare them. You can communicate them what the expectations are so they're not surprised and they're not going through fire drills. And the same goes for the, for the board, right? We had to set the table for them as well and give them what to expect and when to expect. Obviously, we, we have to have some amount of uh, cushion for those promises and commitments uh, because things will not always go the way we expected them. There will be misses. There will be things that are happening out of our control. So I try to not surprise anybody because in our world, it's not good to be surprised, um, good or bad. In generally, they just don't, nobody wants to be surprised. They want expectations to set, be set and then be delivered. So it's, it's a constant, constant prioritization, constant, constant communication and driving the teams to deliver it while uh, constantly communicating with the board and the PE sponsors and letting them what's happening. So changing gears just a bit here, GE is known to be very entrepreneurial in nature, but as you've alluded to a couple times, it must have been difficult to transition from a company with such deep pockets to a bootstrap startup environment or even a mid-sized business. So how did you manage this change? It took a little while. I was completely open-minded about it. I knew I knew what it was going to be look like. And also the recruiters, the folks who have recruited me and, and with me within the within the PE environment, within TPG, they always they, they were very open about, you know, they would love to recruit people from GE, but they are always worried about in their in the back of their minds how quickly they will be that the GE folks are going to be able to adapt to these call it scrappy environment. You know, it, it's as as simple as as a as a division CFO at GE. I never really worried about cash or cash flow because I knew that BG Treasury. They went out in the market every day. They raised money at very, very good rate, uh, rates. And it was always uh, available. And it was as, as simple as requesting intercompany funding uh, from corporate treasury. But here, I had to look and get into the details of who we are paying, when we are paying, when we are collecting, when is the payroll due, when, when are the taxes due. All that had to be done by the CFO uh, or, the, or, the, or the team. So to make it a shorter, more concise answer, I knew it was going to be big and, and I was willing and able to roll up my sleeves and get into those details. And sure, so it was a learning process. I didn't always get it right, but TPG is a great company with a lot of great internal and advisor, uh, internal and external advisors. So when we needed help, there was always someone to come in and help us think through the problems, the processes and systems and, and give us their opinion. So you had to find the right balance of using the people around you with the experience and, and use good judgment um, on your own. So when it comes to understanding operations, what role is a CFO expected to play in a portfolio company and what skills 
do they need to develop? I believe the biggest and the most important skill in a CFO and also a CEO to a degree is, is to conduct proper capital allocation. I think in the core of our jobs, we are the allocators of resources and capital, right? That's our number one job. And in order to determine where to allocate our resources so we get the best returns, we have to have detailed understanding of our operations. And operations is obviously a very broad terminology, but in my current job, operations means mostly manufacturing, as well as enabling organizations such as engineering and regulatory department. So it's a it, understanding the process of your company wing to wing is, is extremely important because you want to be able to identify the bottlenecks. You want to be able to identify where uh, you may run into or your teams may run into issues early on. And before you, they run into issues, you want to be able to give them either the capital they need or the resources they need so they can deliver on the, on the revenue expectations uh, that everyone has committed to. As an example, in my current medical device industry, before we can even get to selling and, and shipping our, our implants, there's a long product development process with engineering, with quality, regulatory approvals, what have you. It's a highly regulated industry, so we have to think about products we develop and when do we market them, in which markets we sell them. All of that needs to be thought out many years before anything even gets shipped to the customers. Having that kind of an understanding is going to help us uh, put the right resources in, in the right places, number one. And the other one is you get a feel for the leadership within the company pretty quickly. Some leaders are stronger than others and require less oversight. And when they need resources, you have, they have their, your trust and credibility. You go through less of a back and forth with them. And some leaders need a lot more coaching. And before you give them uh, a lot of people or capital, you might want to spend more time with them and, and help them think through some of their issues. Before you can do that, uh, you almost need to be, you don't have to be an expert in every area, but you need to know enough to ask the right, right questions uh, so you can help others. So it's, again, one of those uh, balancing acts of getting into details in certain areas versus other, depending on the strength of your, of your processes and, and your teams. Yeah, so it sounds like another example of, of rolling up your sleeves and really getting into the details. That's exactly right. At the end of the day, if you don't know the details or if you don't know how to get to the details or ask the right questions, you are always going to be running the risk of having mistakes and surprises happening to you. And as a CFO, you are expected to not have that. So when you think of a portfolio CFO, is there a one size fits all solution when it comes to skill sets? It's this one. It really is not. And I say that, I say that because just because I have, you know, ran number of searches for CFO positions in probably eight to 10 portfolio companies I have been associated with, with TPG. And, and also I went through my experience as well. The, the conditions really depend on many, many factors, starting with what kind of PE sponsor 
is looking to recruit. For example, TPG is a very hands-on partner and an investor. The boards are very much hands-on. They provide a lot of support when it comes to M&A deals or capitalization of the company, external relationships, what have you. So when you have a sponsor like that, you don't need a CFO who is supposed to be that externally focused, right? We need CFOs who are going to be experts in their industry, in their business, who will develop and build good teams, good processes, and streamlined operations. We always place a lot of value in industry experience, although I myself, I didn't grow up in in this particular medtech industry. But given my experience in GE, I have seen many industries and I sort of learned how to learn new industries. I mean, I think it's a little bit easier for finance as well. Finance has a common language that you learn fairly quickly. You realize what and learn what KPIs are important, how to go get them and how to build a finance organization. So it helps a little bit. But there are certain PE firms that would only hire CFOs who have spent their entire careers in that particular industry that they are looking to fulfill. I think I I would consider myself more of a corporate athlete, meaning I am one of those CFOs that you can put into any environment. And since I have the basic skills, technical skills, and the PE and uh, experience, they expect that I will be successful. But, you know, every, like I said, every company, every CEO, every sponsor is a little different. Some of the companies, for example, if they are, if their value creation plan is to take a company to public, they may be looking for a CFO with public company experience or with experience of taking a company uh, through an IPO process or vice versa. So it, it really, it really depends. There may be companies where the the uh, investment thesis was to use them as a platform and make many, many acquisitions and roll them up. In that case, you may look for a CFO with lots of M&A experience of doing due diligence, doing consolidation, what have you. So again, I think the world, the, our world is uh, so, so diverse that, that you could go either way. And again, you may have touched on this a bit, but given the entrepreneurial environment of a portfolio company, what skills and management styles do you think private equity sponsors are looking for in a CFO? Yeah, I think, I think this one, I would, I would go back to the earlier, earlier answer. It, depending on the company and, and what the future plans are, that would really determine the need. In fact, sometimes even the CEO of the company really plays a big role because we do try to balance the skill set of the CEO uh, and the CFO. Some CEOs are very externally focused, right? They may be your number one salesperson, for example. They may be out with the clients, developing new business, uh, making new deals, making acquisitions, etc., if you have a CEO like that, you may wanna you may wanna look for a CFO who can actually who's actually somewhat of a expert in a particular industry and play the role of a COO in addition to the to the CFO. But when you when you have a, a CEO that's that's an expert in that industry and and very much involved in operations on a day to day basis, 
then, then you can have a CFO that would, with different skills. What we do know, just speaking with the recruiters, is it's very difficult to find CFOs that have all of those skills. So at some point, we make compromises as well. You just hope that you, you bet, on, bet on CFOs who are still growing and developing and will build those skills that they need along the way. And, and we, are just, we just try to help them out as they go through their journey. And let's talk about the life cycle of a portfolio company. Do you think a CFO can be a great fit at one stage, but not at another? And why is this? I think the answer is yes, but I think it's not even just um, the life cycle of the company. I think if you have the right CFO, that person should be able to go through all the stages, but we have more CFO changes, not because of the life cycle of the company, but because of general performance issues. I would say more CFO changes than, than any of us would like to like to make. But I think if you look at the, um, look at the statistics of PE firms, how often the CFOs get replaced. I think 50% of the time they get replaced. Ideally, you want the CFO you have at the beginning to go through the entire cycle because a lot of the value creation plans are decided and starts to get executed in the first two, three years of the company. Just because in the fourth, fifth, sixth year, you may be getting into an exit process so it, it would be ideal to have the CFO at the very beginning where the building is done and then the rest of the time you will, you will try to scale up and, and try to get the company, maximize the company's performance before you get to an exit. It doesn't always happen. The CFOs fall short, performance issues arise and some things don't seem to be getting done the way they're supposed to be. And, and then that's where you have the uh, CFO turnover. It's not ideal, I think. It's a really high bar to replace CFOs, but, but you know, PE firms are not shy about doing that just because they know how critical the, the role is and it, how it impacts the success of the investment. So it could, you could see CFO turnover for many reasons, but number one being the performance and not being in the details enough or, not, uh, or surprising the board and investors. Wow, I, I knew it was a challenging environment, but I wouldn't have guessed that the turnover was that high. It, unfortunately, it's tough. Yeah. Um, expectations are high, and yeah, they, they turn over. And how would you describe the interaction between a portfolio company CFO and their board? I have to imagine it, it's quite frequent. It is very frequent. It's very intimate. And as I was mentioning, especially for PE firms like TPG, usually take controlling positions in the companies and, and you know, appoint folks in, in the board, not just deal, deal partners and, 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 and leaders, but also operational leaders who have ran businesses in the past, who have been in CEO and CFO positions in the past. So those those folks, and as well as the committees that they lead, have very frequent touch points. They have all the right and and all, and within I know within TPG to pick up the phone or reach out to you and have a have a have a deep conversation about a particular initiative, particular analysis, or a direction. So it's very different than 
a public company where you get to see your board uh, once a quarter and then you have maybe once a year committee meetings and, and one-on-ones with the head of the audit committee or something. Here within the PE world, it's a lot more informal, a lot more frequent. I wouldn't say this in a negative way uh, because a lot, of the, a lot of the board members that you interact with, like I said, most of the time have many, many years of more experience than you do. And a lot of the questions that they ask you are actually things that you should be asking yourself anyway. So as long as you are taking their questions, taking their feedback and improving upon that, it can become a very good relationship. I have a lot of mentors within the, within the board members. In fact, sometimes I reach out to them a lot more than they reach out to me because I do want to run things by them. I'm not you know, as long as you're not afraid or self-conscious about asking them questions and they are always welcoming those questions with the intention of helping you and improving the business, it could be a very good, successful relationship. But if you are not comfortable in your own skin and you don't want to share information or you don't want to be open, you don't want to accept feedback or act upon their feedback, then I think it gets, it gets unhealthy and, and those are the CFOs that you see not making it long, long uh, in those environments. And lastly, do you have any tips for building a rapport with sponsors while also maintaining the trust of the CEO? I have to imagine that this is uh, not an easy balancing act also. So yeah, any tips you have here? Yeah, uh, it's, this one is tough as well. It all comes back down to open, transparent communication and trust among the, among the parties. I have worked with CEOs where they were extremely strict about when I speak with the PE sponsors and what we tell them and how we tell them that they wanted all the communication to the board and the, and the PE sponsors coming from the CEO, which I thought was not healthy. And I have, I have worked with CEOs who were, who were fairly open and confident and comfortable with, with that kind of a interaction, as long as you are keeping them in the loop and, and letting them know what was happening and what information we are sharing and, and when. There has to be some level of trust and, and management of information between the CEO and the CFO. As I was mentioning, you want to be able to manage your communication expectations to the board. Think because you and the CEO are in the business every day. Things change on an hourly basis. You can't go tell the board things changing on an hourly basis, right? You want to be able to to them on a on a little bit longer uh, time frames. And as you as you as you communicate those things, you have to be on the same page with your with your CEO. So what I found is having the open communication uh, with your CEO is very important. And they also need to be okay. Uh, PE firms reaching out to the CFO directly, uh, especially someone like me who came from the PE wo- uh, world and the PE firm know me personally. They're used to working with me on a regular basis. So we try not to have any secrets among us, provide as much transparency as possible. And, and we tell them when we don't know something, we tell them we don't know and we'll, we'll figure it out when we can. Again, Unfortunately, there's not one magic formula that fits and fixes everything, but um, 
logical, common sense-based communication, clear communication, and healthy transparency, I think, I think is very helpful. Yep, I think that's great advice. Um, Karem, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for having me, Megan. I, I enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, I really enjoyed learning about you and your experience. And thank you for sharing some of the skills that have helped you succeed in what is obviously a very demanding environment. To all of our listeners today, I hope you've enjoyed today's discussion as well. And I hope you'll tune in next week. Until then, take care of yourselves and have a great week. If you're ready to boost efficiency and streamline your accounting processes at significant cost savings, it's time to talk with Personiv. Their people-powered solutions have transformed the delivery of back office tasks and general accounting functions for decades, partnering with clients to provide everything from accounts payable to payroll services. See what Personiv can do for you by visiting personiv.com. You've been listening to CFO Weekly presented by Personiv. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out personiv.com. Thanks for listening.